0: This program is sponsored by George Satari CPA.
1: Writing is on the wall broadcast on WHKW 1220 AM, The Word, Salem, Cleveland. If you're listening to this, it is broadcast and want to comment, please call 888-677-9673. Please call me TA for that is my job to be the teacher's assistant. Again, that phone number is 888-677-9673. Uh, Normally, um, I state that we aim to be as non-religious and non-spiritual as possible. And that's simply because we don't have any information on the spiritual side that we can use. Uh, This entire program is an attempt to get you to give God your first fruits mentally and emotionally. Um, You are... More than likely, here because of a religion. Um, First there was God, then there was man, then there was a Bible, and then there was religion. And religion started off saying, we will assist you, not only to make the proper um, sacrifices at the proper time so that you can keep them straight, But we will assist you in letting you know what God wants from you. And um, for this, we'll take a certain portion. And if you want to read um, numbers, um, then you can find an awful lot, uh, same with Leviticus, an awful lot of the information that is there as the Jews created their religion. They wrote it down, writing was a new thing, and they wrote it down so that All could read it and be bound by it. This was important because God was looking for man to do something, not just anything, but for him to develop and understand what it is that God wanted of him and to be able to respond and to justify all that God had done on man's behalf. This is laid out in Jeremiah 9.24. But the first five books of the Bible are the part that the Jewish people feel are, is the law. Because Moses instructed that it be written down. Even though Genesis um, was a prequel, it was their history, it was uh, verbal history until he had it written down. And um, it was important to be written down because as they were trying to write it down, they found out that there were two varying, closely, but varying um, ideas on how things started. So that's why you'll find chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Genesis to be just a little off. But it was important that both um, branches be satisfied that they were included because the entire thrust of what was about to be done is that God created the Jews, formed them from the guest workers that um, Egypt had supported for so many years and then finally enslaved when they became fearful of them because there were so many that um what he what God told him was that you will be my my model my example before all mankind either for good or ill choice is yours but you will be my model and they have been and they've been around the longest because they are still fulfilling God's function to man, being the model. Now, we understand it is the, not the model of obedience, which is they are obedient to their religion, but they are not obedient to God, as God told them many, many, many times, over many, many years, and they still preferred their religion to God. Now, none of them will admit that. But now, here we are in the 21st century, and we have Christians who prefer their religion to God. Now, there's going to be a lot of shocked people that, oh, no, no, that can't be true. But the fact of the matter is, unless you read the Bible closely enough to understand exactly all that it says, then you are accepting other men's ideas, not God's. Now that's very important. It's important that you understand that. Religion is all man's ideas about God. <clears throat> has nothing to do with God. I wish all those ideas were correct or even close. They're not. They are men's ideas. A lot of them are what men wish were true, or would hope were true, Um, certainly much of that is the stuff they want to convince you is true. So then you won't be a pain, and you'll follow along, and you'll help support their ideas, financially as well as emotionally. Unfortunately, because it is men's ideas, it is susceptible to the prince of the air the prince of the air of course is evil the director of evil the evil devil now we don't talk about that much and yet evil rules our lives we just don't talk about it sodom and gomorrah is something we pretty much all have heard about they were two of the four, two of the five cities on the plains of Canaan, just the other side of Jordan, in an area that was so rich and lush that it was compared favorably to the Garden of Eden. You could grow practically anything there. Everything became um how do I say it was the land of milk and honey. So it grew quite a bit well-watered, the um, area had good soil, had great balance. You could grow grapes, wheat, anything there, and they did. And because of that, and because there was no strife in that particular area, they all kind of knew one another, they grew fat and happy. And then is when evil took over because they didn't have to worry about where the food was coming from. And they didn't have to worry about being attacked because the five of them would band together. then They thought they were untouchable. And that's when evil grows. When you think that you are untouchable. That everything is going your way, you don't need anybody's help, and you don't have to give anybody any help. Well, today we are live in the United States of America, and food is not an issue. Instead of hunger, we talk about food insecurity, meaning that someone who has not worked hard enough to, or intelligently enough to get themselves a position where they have a job that they are able to feed their families with, um, and they need assistance from churches or government agencies or whatever. Um, other than that, America really has no hunger issues. It's all about getting it where you need it. It's not about producing it. It's not as though anybody is going to fight you over food because they're not. So when food was not a problem, what happened? People got cocky. And they got cocky to the point where, I'm sure we all remember, the angels who came to visit Lot, Abraham's nephew, were accosted, and at Lot's house, they wanted to stay in the city center. They did not want to be trouble to Lot. Lot convinced them to come home. He would make some fresh bread for them, and he could feed them, and they could lie quietly in the dusk. And instead of hanging around the city center, which is basically what people who were on a journey and didn't know anybody had to do. And they came to the, they got drunk, the the people of Sodom, they got drunk and they got obstreperous and they came to the door and they demanded the two strangers so that they could defile them. Now, as horrible as this is, Lot, knowing that these were God's representatives, his angels, instead offered up his two virgin daughters to be despoiled because the fear he had, what would happen to the entire area if these angels were defiled? Well, you know the rest of the story. um, I think most people do anyway that um, Lot tried and bargained with God from 50 good souls down to 10. And finally, other than your family, find me one. Now, Lot was not able to fulfill the 10 or the one. So he just accepted God's judgment and packed up and left Sodom behind and was told by the angels not to look back because it was going to be destroyed now all this is history and we know it but we what we don't know is that this was meant to be an example for us a model and we're at that place where this model should be something we recognize because we are fat and happy and sassy and we are not following even a religious path, let alone following God's, and they are very, very different. Religion accepts compromise. God does not. God gave us examples. It's a good thing he believes in examples. And we have not followed them. He sent Jesus to earth to be an example before all men that it was possible to be human and to follow his instructions and directions and become an obedient child of God. And, of course, the religious people killed Christ's body. Now, we're 20-plus centuries in the future from that. And we did not get all the message that God wanted us to get or that Jesus wanted us to get. Jesus was the example, and he left us all kinds of messages now these messages were discussions, but a lot of things, a lot of information, was locked up in. Oh, what are they in these stories that he told, the story one of the stories that Jesus told that is extremely important was the three servants. The master was going to leave and travel. While he was gone, his household would remain intact and his servants would remain his servants. But he gave each of them a certain amount of money to protect and invest for him. Based on what they thought was important. Well, the first servant invested it, probably in his startup, but whatever, he got five times the investment as profit for his master. When the master returned, there was not only the amount he was given, but five times more. The second servant, not as sharp, but that's okay. He was noted as the second servant was given the same amount as the first. And he multiplied it twice. But the third servant was noted as the third servant. He was not sharp. He was loyal. And he was obedient. So the third servant was given the same amount as the first two but instead of placing it with the bankers so that he would get the same amount back plus a little bit he went and buried it now he was given a he was given an opportunity just as man has been given an opportunity And he did not respond well to that opportunity. Jesus told this parable, this story, as an example to all of us. When the master returned, and the master always returns. When the master returned, he went to the servant that had multiplied it five times and he said, Thou good and faithful servant, you have pleased me greatly. Because you were sincere in your efforts on my behalf and because you worked at it, I will set you over many, many times more than what I have given you because you proved faithful and reliable. The second servant, who did less, but still, as the best of his ability, and that's the important thing to note here, to the best of his ability, which was not as great as servants one, he returned twice what the master had given him in recompense. And he said pretty much the same thing, just a little bit. He said, and you I will give much to oversee. But of course we know what happened to the third servant. The servant that wasted the opportunity, that did nothing with the opportunity. The treasure that he was given to work with, he did nothing with. His fear drove him to seek safety in what his own mind said was important. Proverbs three five. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and do not rely on your own understanding. Servant three relied on his own understanding. And because of that, he was considered worthless. We humans on earth are the servants. Are you servant one? Servant 2 or Servant 3? If you are a religious person and you enjoy your religion and you think that your religion has told you all you need to know about God, you are Servant 3. God did not leave the Bible for religions. He left it for humans Jesus instructed his followers to read the Bible. The Bible that he knew was the original Testament. It was added to. Paul has given us our marching orders. Paul had read the Old Testament. And just about everything out of the New Testament had already been written. And he had read that. And he had preached it to many different cities. And as he was reminding the people in Thessalonica of what he had preached in a letter to them. He reminded them of everything that he had taught them. And that's why I always say that 1 Thessalonians 5 should be your go-to. Whenever you want to know something about the Bible, first read that. When you want to know something about what you should be getting out of the Bible, you should memorize it, really. It's easy. But God... but. Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 5, told the people, in verse 9, it was not God's intention that we experience his anger. Well, of course, he didn't need to say for our failure. I mean, that's understood. Or it should be. But that we obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, John mention two levels of salvation. Both work, but they work in different ways. If you believe on Jesus' name, everything that he's done, and still stay as a subjective decision maker, a child, trying to figure out what you think is best and what um, your buddies think is best and what emotionally fulfills you and what sounds good to you, then you are under the rubric of religious Christian. You believe on his name. You will be given another chance. You will be reborn. And that will keep happening as long as you believe on Jesus' name. Did you think it was one and done? No, my friend. You need to read Hebrews, and you need to read it in depth. But what you need to understand is that the second, the first actually, the one that Jesus told was those who go to the Father, come only by doing what I do and saying what I say and being what I am. And that is an objective decision maker. Do what's important for everyone, what raises all boats. Jesus modeled it for us, and we just never really got that he had switched. We thought, oh, well, he's the Son of God, so Of course, he's going to do things right. No, he was born human to show you that you could be God's son too. Perhaps not as directly. But then again, we don't know because that decision is up to God. But if we follow Jesus and do as he told us instead of what a religion tells us, then we will do what we do because it benefits all humans and gets them closer to understanding what it is that God wanted of us and why. So, music's coming up, and it's about time for us to take a break. But on the other side of the break, we will continue. And I'll try and lay out for you what it is that God wants from us and expects us to give him. Thank you. See you after the break.
0: Swamp. Fake news. Racist hats. Are you afraid to believe anymore? Well, let me tell you of one brave soul who, like David, slew Goliath. The true story of one man's fight against greed, corruption, and insatiable ambition in small-town Ohio, Checkmate reveals why passion and integrity are rare in the corridors of swing state politics. If you want to hear the truth, how the swamp operates in Ohio with all the political corruption in real time, get Steve Krause's tell-all, true-life story, Checkmate, One Man's Fight Against Political Corruption, available on Amazon. As a newly elected state representative, Steve takes you behind the scenes, behind the closed doors, and rips back the curtain to expose all the lies, the deceit, and power-hungry gamesmanship. Checkmate reads like a TV drama, but it's not. Once you start it, you won't be able to put it down. Checkmate, one man's fight against political corruption by Steve Krauss, available on Amazon today. Be afraid. Be very afraid there are those in Washington who want the IRS to take more of your hard-earned money. Are you tired of being the perpetual cash cow for every scheme, unreasonable program, and for all the fraud, waste, and abuse in our system? Well, good news. I can help. George Satari has almost 40 years of experience helping people like you keep more of what you make. It makes no sense that the more you make, the more they take let George help you keep your money away from the government bureaucratic waste and in your pocket call 216-651-1120 right now and schedule your free consultation today instead of a victim you'll You'll be be the the victor. victor with many success stories George helps with tax planning estate planning financial and business analysis, and more. The new tax law has many ways to save money with retirement planning, accelerated depreciation, up to 20% exception of net earnings, and so much more. Call 216-651-1120. That's 216-651-1120. You earn it, we'll help you keep it. That's George Satari, CPA, 216-651-1120.
1: writing is on the wall and perfect example of why God had the Bible written down for us instructed Moses write it down and it was written down ever since then I misspoke when I was talking about the um, the three servants uh, to the effect that um, they were given different amounts the first servant was given five bags of gold, the second two bags of gold, and the third was only given one bag of gold. And that's how they were delineated. That's how he showed that he trusted them in a hierarchy. And that was the point that I wanted to get across. By the way, that's in Matthew 25, starting with verse 19. The important part, the part that I want to get across, and the part that Jesus told this story to illustrate, starts in verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned. Now, we don't think of God as being away because he's everywhere. But he has withheld his visage from us. That's the way they put it back then. And that's fine. Um, that was his purposeful act, because he said many times in many different places, Anyone who searches for me with whole heart and mind, I will let find me. Well, if you're right on Main Street, nobody's going to look for you. And we needed a spur. We needed something to get us going. Unfortunately, religions ramped it up. And they're the ones who took over the airwaves and filled our heads and our ears with what they thought was acceptable rather than what God thought was acceptable. But the point that Jesus was hoping that we would get is that the Master always returns. And when he returns, he will reward those who have fulfilled His expectations. There's one expectation that God has of humanity. He expected us to learn and grow and develop and to get a little more sophisticated. But he also knew that many of us would turn to evil. Now, it's unfortunate that it is the words of a religion that have become the focus for evil. But it isn't really. I think it's unfortunate because I grew up in a religion. Unfortunately, it was destined to happen because evil can only grow where men feed it. That's right. If you ignore it, that's dangerous. Someone else will feed it, and they have. And we will go into that. I know I keep promising, but you know what is going to hit the fan once I start letting people know where it started and why? Well, it started back in the garden. But I mean, since America came into being, evil started before that. Of course, evil did. But the... The particular vision that would come to assault the United States after it had been born because it was the United States was being created of people who were fleeing their religions and getting into the Word of God. Now, some weren't. Some were bringing their religions with them. They didn't last, did they? Others brought their religion, and those religions are dying out now too. But those who believed in the Word of God and read the Word of God and gave themselves, charged themselves with, actually trying to understand what it was that God was asking of us and why. Those are the people that God identified in Jeremiah 9.24 as the children who please me. They can brag if they can do this, if they can understand me, and if they can justify all that I have done on their behalf. It will delight me. Well, there's only one other place where that is used, and that's in the New Testament. God is delighted with Jesus following his direction and instruction instead of Jesus' own desires. Now, religion would say that Jesus and God are one and the same, That's not true. They are of the same expressions, of the same spirit. If you wanted to think of the Holy Spirit as God and entire, who puts faces on for people's understanding, that would be a little closer to it. But the ancients... Called L, meaning the one, and they call him Elohim, which means a multiple of one. Well, now we're used to mathematics, and a multiple of one adds up to more than one. We don't think of all the little tiny pieces that go into adding up to one, we think in integers. Well, at one time, we're going to have to discuss why God created us. But right now, we need to discover what it is that he wants from us. So when we go to Paul, who's encouraging the Thessalonians about 1930 or 40 years ago, He tells them to encourage one another and strengthen one another as you are doing and to always be joyful and never stop praying. Now, if you feel that you can only pray by going to your hands and knees, you're not praying. Praying is opening your heart and mind to God and asking for enlightenment, instruction, direction. But you have to open up. You can't just say it with your mouth. You have to be open to it. Whatever happens, verse 18, 1 Thessalonians 5, whatever happens, whether your prayers were answered in the way you wanted or not, give thanks. Because it is God's will in Christ Jesus that you do this. Verse 19, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't despise what God has revealed. Instead, test everything. If something is written down in the Bible and it turns out that it does not appear to be accurate, then think, hmm, who was this person and what did he think or see that he said this, and yet we know now that this probably did not happen. Or we don't understand why this happened. These are not conundrums or conflicts in the Bible. They are human conflicts from one speaker to another. And God wanted us to understand that if this was written by people seeing something through their eyes and trying to write it down for us. We have to go back and try and understand who these people were when they wrote it. They are not God. They are men speaking about what they have seen and heard from, of, and about God. Religions will tell you they do the same, only they want to reassure you that you don't have to do anything more other than believe and that's wrong verse 21 1 Thessalonians 5 instead test everything do not put your faith in princes whether they princes of the church princes of government princes of commerce all humans are fallible Only God is infallible. You are fallible. I am fallible. Now, if you're a church Christian, you say, well, I'll just ask Jesus for forgiveness. And you can do that. But you cannot ask God for forgiveness. God is much stricter. If you want to be on God's team, you actually have to do what Jesus did and switch from what you think is best to what God thinks is best. God has one child on earth, and you, the individual, are a cell in that child, in the body of that child. That's all. However, if you start doing things not for the benefit of your own personal desires, wants, or even needs, but so that everybody will benefit, then you're starting to make the transmission to objective. And once you are objective, Life becomes easy. You understand what Jesus said when he said the truth will set you free. It does. You're not worried about what another human being thinks because they're working on their own desires. Once you switch over and do what you do to benefit everybody without regard for yourself. Then you've made the switch. You're doing as Jesus did, and you are God's obedient child. Paul's final instruction in verse 22, before he says goodbye, is keep away from every kind of evil. Now, mostly the evil that we deal with is the evil of hubris, of complacency, of thinking we can go whatever speed we want in the left-hand lane or we're going the speed limit. So we're obeying man's rules. And just because you have someone sick or dying in your car doesn't mean that I should pay attention and get into the right-hand lane. I'm obeying man's rules. And that's why in Ohio we have a law that says you cannot block, although no one enforces it, because prima facie, the first fact is that someone could need to get by because they have an emergency. But if you're complacent, self-righteous, you don't move into the right-hand lane and drive there, you block the left-hand lane. Well, this is just an easy example. The fact is, how many times have you blunted somebody's efforts, not assisted them, not gotten with the program, shined them on, when they came to you for help, eh, I'm going to be washing my hair that night. The fact of the matter is, if you don't feed your brother's and sister's ability to learn about God, then you're doing evil. If instead you take them to a church or a religious website instead of to the Bible, then you're doing evil. Churches don't think They're doing evil because they're self-righteous. They followed their own rules for so long, they don't know what God wants of them. They don't even look and try and find out what it is God wants of them. These days we have lots of people who know deep down in their hearts that they're not able to give it up completely and become Christians. But they go to church. They want to be well thought of. They want other people to think they're Christians. So they will get involved in feeding the homeless, those without, again, Matthew 25, a little bit later. But Jesus, just before he says that about feeding those who were hungry and clothing them, He tells us about the sheep and the goats. The sheep will be on his right hand and the goats on his left. He is not separating them out of the herd. They are separating themselves. And the goats will not be with him. They're the ones who will go, Lord, Lord. And he will say to them, I never knew you. The only way to make sure that you are not in that group is to read the Bible for understanding. Give you the first fruits of your mental abilities to God, not your religion. Look, talk to your brothers, read, Get in Bible studies. And when they say things to you, like my Bible study buddies told to me, that Jesus was guilty of being God when he was accused of that by the Pharisees, then you know that that person has a religious foundation and not a biblical one. I wanted to ask him, but I was so flabbergasted. So you're saying that Jesus is a coward and a liar? He didn't have the guts to say, yes, I'm God, but he was God, according to you? And all those times in John 4 and 5 when he said, my father has shown me? I cannot do except what my Father shows me and what my Father approves. When he separated himself from God the Father, that didn't count? Well, it turns out that these church Christians believe that there is one God. They will tell you they believe in the triune God, but they believe in one God and it's just whatever situation he wants to show himself in he's all the same God and God does not want you to believe that he does not want you to accept that he wants you to accept that he can have as many faces as he needs to have to show to his human children and that they should respond to him as God. So when Moses questioned God, and he said, I am, he shouldn't, he thought that Moses shouldn't question him and should recognize him. But the fact that Moses wanted to discuss with other humans what it was that this disembodied voice was trying to tell him shocked God at least that's the way I read it and that's in Exodus 3 so God the creator is recognized as Elohim God the Savior the, the God of man the God that agreed to become God for the Jews is Adonai. The individual, the human being that grew up as a child in a human family and accepted God's Spirit within him was Jesus. Now, these were done very specifically for humans to show us that there is a pathway. And that pathway to accepting God, even when your human exists, Jesus was the example. And if you become like Jesus, then you will eventually Get God in your heart too. No man goeth unto the Father, but by me. Not by believing on my name or believing what I say, but in following my path. And as we know now, that path leads to switching from subjective decision-making to objective decision-making. So that is what I'm trying to get across to you, that all these instances have been rather large breadcrumbs laid down for us. The Bible is not only a puzzle, but an instruction manual, and it tells us that our success is imminent if we follow the instructions and the direction that God left for us. And our final instruction is to seek his face wholeheartedly, without reservation. And if we do this, he will let us find him as individuals and hopefully, eventually, as a people. But we've got a lot to do between now and then because evil is rampant in our world and we're allowing it to destroy the civilization that we created using the Ten Commandments. And when God's children by choice, Christians, crossed the Atlantic Ocean to the Promised Land and removed the peoples who had lived there without God's approval and then created a civilization of plenty using the Ten Commandments and following God's instruction. and then we allowed evil to stay our hand and invade our country and our children and our institutions. Ephesians 2: 2, 2 Paul says that the prince of evil is the prince of the air. We would say the air waves, but everything between the solid foundation of the earth and the air we breathe, that humans breathe, is overseen by evil, the prince of evil. So it's up to us to fight evil and to restructure our civilization built on the foundation of the Moses' Ten Commandments in this land that was given to his children by choice, Christians, by God. And once we do that, we will work at explaining to one another and showing one another what it is that God wanted of us and why. Because we need to get to the end of this. God wanted us to understand and justify everything he had done. And he's telling us that we have much that he is going to entrust us with. As long as we don't bury the opportunity. So we've got to work to get to that point. All right, folks, well, I see that my time is just about up for another week. It goes so fast. But thank you for listening. Read the Bible constantly. Pray incessantly. Test everything, keeping only what is good, and keep away from every kind of evil. And I'll see you next week. Thank you.
0: This program has been sponsored by George Satari, CPA.